Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to begin in the first verse. Uh, My subject matter tonight is prayer in times of peril and persecution. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, which was the ninth hour, that's three o'clock in the afternoon, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 16. No, let's go to verse 11 and 12. Excuse me. Now the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do, you, uh, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though through our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Verse 16. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. Whom you see and know, yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Verse 24 through 26. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. Your sons of the prophets... And of the covenant which God made with our father, saying to Abraham, And in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. We'll pause for a moment of reflection upon the reading of God's word and God add his blessing to his word. Amen. I, I don't know if there's a more familiar miracle than this in the book of Acts. It's, it's one that constantly we're drawn to because there's so many moving parts and so many different factors in what caused this man to be made whole. Uh, this man that sat at a beautiful gate and he was not in a beautiful place in his life. He was needy. He was born with needs, uh, he depended on others, and yet God fully restored this man. Peter and John were committed to prayer. That's one of the first things that I see in this text is it was the time to pray and that's where they were going. It was the hour of prayer. All other activities, all other responsibilities, everything else that they could have been doing at the moment didn't matter. What mattered was they were where they were supposed to be doing what they needed to do in order for the will of God to be accomplished, nothing happens without prayer. 
Nothing happens in us to the degree that it needs to unless we're people of prayer. We can know things by environment. You can know things through repetition, but to know things by revelation, you have to be a person of prayer. To know things at a heart level, there has to be this commitment that you make to Christ and to be a person of prayer. Many people have learned scripture and many people have been taught scripture throughout the years through liturgy, through responsive readings, responsive singing. And I'm all for that because it's a form of speaking the word of God and speaking the word of God, if we mix faith with it, always produces results. First, in the one who's speaking and hearing, because when you speak, you also hear. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's nothing inherently wrong with any opportunity we have to speak the word of God. Every time we have an opportunity to respond or to hear or to interact with the word of God, we're always going to be benefited by it. And so this scene is one that I'm not going to elaborate a lot on. There was something that took place that only God could get the glory for. And Peter was smart enough to do that. Peter is like all of us. Dying a slow death is what happens with most of us. Peter's process of maturity and development took place when he understood that God had value and placed value in him apart from anything that Peter could ever do for him. And he realized that Jesus was doing everything to serve him. The day they had breakfast and the day that they settled their differences and the day that Peter acknowledged and and affirmed, God, you know everything. I can't pull the wool over your eyes. There's no getting around the fact you know it all and you know that I love you. And how many of us know that we can have a love for God and still at times fall short, even deny him. And yet there's this knowledge of this love. Well, in that particular moment, in that particular time, there was a restoration that took place in Peter. Peter felt like he was a failure, unqualified, and not worthy to serve the Lord anymore. And the Lord just kept reminding him, no, I haven't changed my purpose, my plan for you. I want you to keep staying on the course and keep doing what I ask you to do. Okay. Pentecost came. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. He got up and preached, and 3,000 people made a, a commitment to Christ. What were they doing in the upper room prior to the day of Pentecost? What were they doing for that 10-day period? They were praying. Now, their prayers didn't cause... A rushing mighty wind from heaven. I want you to hear me on this. Their prayers did not tear the veil between heaven and earth and cause God to come down. The completed work of Christ did that. But their prayers positioned them to receive everything that Jesus wanted them to have. Their prayers put them in an alignment when the Spirit of God 
came on the day of Pentecost. He came in a unique and a very personal and very powerful way. And he sat upon each of them, cloven tongues as a fire. Scripture says they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance or gave them the words. They flowed out of the upper room into the community. It was early in the morning and everyone in the community was astonished at these men that were coming out of this upper room, this prayer meeting, because they heard them all speaking the gospel and speaking the mysteries of God in their own language. It was a phenomenal day of salvation. Peter got up and preached. People repented. The town was full because why? It was the Feast of Pentecost. Just like people were there in Jerusalem for Passover 50 days later, they were there for Pentecost. It it was busting at the seams. People were from northern Africa all the way into Turkey, which was Asia Minor at the day, all through the, the region of Judea and in to Galilee. People gathered, and it was an incredible day of God being glorified. The prophecies of Joel were being fulfilled. Peter got up, you know, fully restored. He was the first vessel that God used, and all of these people said yes to Jesus. And here it is, not long after that, And they're going to pray again. And Peter is now fully convinced that he can't do anything without Jesus. It's not because of his holiness or godliness that anyone's going to be made whole or healthy. It's going to be because of faith and faith in the name of Jesus. And so I believe, I believe that it's important for us to understand in perilous times and times of persecution that we still have a refuge and a hiding place and a strong tower, and it's the name above all names. It's the name of Jesus. And ministry can take place no matter what's going on in the public circle or in the public market or in the culture because we still have a name that we can invoke to help hurting humanity and to help those that need Christ. So I'm going to continue to read here because... You know, Peter now is responding because people, of course, recognize him as someone that God used, but they also want to make Peter something that God never wanted him to be, and that was their God. Peter said, no, don't look at me. Don't fasten your eyes on me from a standpoint of thinking that It all originated with me. It didn't. It originated, and it all goes back to Jesus. Okay, chapter 4. Now, can I share this? Because the teacher in me just gets in trouble all the time. You guys know that, right? Peter was trying to help the Jews come to Jesus. That's who he was preaching to right here. And he said... You know, Jesus came to you first. He just got done saying that to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. He came to you. He he wanted to gather you. You guys have been, you know, very hard to gather. And yet here the shepherd comes and he's trying to gather you and he wants to do you good. He doesn't want to do you harm. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to experience his salvation. 
And they were still having a hard time letting go of Abraham and Moses. Their traditions. The way that they grew up. The way that they imagined God to be and how God would work and act in their lives. And every single one of us have sort of a preconceived idea along those lines. And yet, Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is trying to help his fellow countrymen. He's saying, God wants to bless you. He wants to help you to turn away from your iniquities or your sins. And and you would think they would say, yes, Peter, thank you. But in chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Now, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the, of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them. They put them into custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power, by what name have you done this? It's a rhetorical question. They know the answer. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. And when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who are in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. So that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Can I get a witness? So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done, which is the sole and the primary responsibility of every Christian is that our life would reflect and bring glory unto God. And can I get another hearty amen? That is our primary goals, that God would be glorified for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years of age whom this miracle of healing had been performed. Now, here's where it gets fun, okay? So you have 
the leadership responding, and then you have Peter explaining and, and giving insight, and the, and the and the leadership threatening, and there's you know trying to to hinder the work of the gospel. And now notice what the church does. The church doesn't get together and form a committee, and I'm not against committees because there's there's counsel in the multitude, there's safety in the multitude of, of counselors. But what they understand is this is not time to form a committee and to take a vote as to how we're going to respond. We can't help. Listen to me. We can't help but speak of the things that we've seen and heard. We cannot help but speak about Jesus. He's real to us. He's alive. He is alive. He's alive in us, and we can't help but speak about it. So we're going to speak about it. Regardless of their threats or the peril, the persecution, or what they were going to do to them, I don't know what was all included in the threats, but these were powerful people that were threatening them, that had the ability to do something that would hinder their quality of life. And yet, the early church didn't say, let's boycott the government. Let's get a new group of leaders. Let's do something that will hit them in the pocketbook. That that wasn't what they did. Because the people that were threatening them, they understood were the same people that Jesus died for and said these words, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He said those words for them as well as he said it for us. And the early church knew this. So here we are. Verse 23. Everybody ready? Okay, it says, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord... You are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David had said, Why did the nations rage and all the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth shook, took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Two things here. On your handout, we see adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. We can see how they just magnified the Lord and they put him high above their own personal peril or persecution. Secondly is they immediately noticed the fulfillment of Scripture and didn't take what was happening to them, the peril or the persecution, personally. Notice the key to their prayer is that They're doing this against Christ. Their real problem is they just don't know him. They just don't know Jesus. The reason they're doing what they're doing is because they're still all locked up with religious tradition and they're all bound. And so we're here to help proclaim this gospel. And notice... Verse 27, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together, the whole lot of them, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look at their threats. So there was this confession that, Lord, you know, all of us, you know, we were blind as bats. We didn't understand what was happening when Jesus was crucified. The whole lot of us. We're in this together. Each and every people group that's categorized there, uh, outside of a handful of a few women that were there because they 
just so adored Jesus. But even they didn't understand everything until the resurrection. And he said, you know, we just have to admit, you know, we were just as as uh, lost and just as bound and just as restricted as everybody else. But, Lord, you were still doing your plan. And in verse 20, now, now look at their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness that we may speak your word, stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I'm going to close with this, and you can read chapter 12. Uh, chapter 12 is a great portion of scripture. And, and if you want to read chapter 16, start in the 16th verse and read the rest of the chapter. It was when, when Paul and Silas were in Philippi and they were in prison because they ministered to a young girl who was demon possessed and given over to the occult. And therefore you can see how prayer was an integral part of not only chapter 12, when the leader seized Peter because they were on, you know, this, this, this path to try to silence the followers of Christ. And, uh, and then in chapter 16, you can also see another time of peril and persecution and how the people of God responded. And this is where I, I want to stop because I want to pray. Is that the early church encountered peril and persecution and the church in the last days is going to encounter perilous times and persecution. My prayer is that we be people of prayer. That we just don't pray occasionally. Every day, there should be a time that's set aside. No matter how full your schedule is, you have an appointment with Jesus. If that's five minutes or ten minutes and it stretches into longer periods of time, it has to be a part of who we are as God's people. Because we can't stop the peril and the persecution. We can't stop the threats or the accusations. They're going to come. Legislation is going to come onto the books in this nation that are going to make a lot of Christians like think this is all political. None of it is political. All of it's prophetic. All of it's part of an end-time narrative that's being played out in a season in which we're living just like Peter preached. The prophets foretold everything that Jesus was going to do, and yet you guys still haven't seen it. And Samuel, starting with Samuel, through all the prophets, everything that happened to Jesus was already recorded. Everything that's going to happen in the end times Right is already recorded. You and I cannot pray it away. But by praying, we can be prepared and not be fearful of peril or sword because nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. We have to be committed to prayer. We have to slow down our lives. Our pace is unsustainable. My prayer during COVID was that we would learn that lesson and we didn't. God put the whole world on notice. Slow down. And the whole world kept running. 
as fast as they could the moment they were given permission. We're too event and activity driven. We need to be more relational and we need to be at a pace that's sustainable. Prayer helps us to do that. It has a way of just getting our thinking back where it needs to be and helping us to know what matters most. Isn't it time, as the old hymn said, that we have a little talk with Jesus? Tell him about all your problems. Yeah. There's not a better way to spend your day than with him. And through the day as you pray, you'll just become more and more aware of what to say, when to say it, how to say it, because God's spirit will give you the words at that time. Don't be concerned about it. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.